Welcome to Semantics. Where we have more fun with words than you can shake a stick at. I'm Kelly. And I'm Jeff. And we're so glad you're here. Hey, Kel. Hey, Jeff. How are you? I'm fantastic. <laughs> Good. How are you? I'm great. I'm working on, apparently I have a podcast voice. <laughs> you do. You want me to call you out? I don't want to hear it. Like another voice. <laughs> I'm trying your everyday to, voice. My everyday voice. It's like your work clothes. I have my work clothes and... <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to have one voice for everything mm -hmm. and every man voice. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but we went out of order a little bit with this last yeah. episode because I was not ready, <laughs> which is, <laughs> which is no surprise. We were out for a little while on a little bit of a trip. We were, we were, we went on a cruise. Yep. A little snorkeling. Yep. A little ancient ruins. We did. Little we did. R and R. Yeah, it was really, really fun. Yeah. Did you have uh, a good time? I had the best time. I'm ready to cruise all the time. I think I'm afraid we're gonna become the cruise people. I think we are cruise <laughs> I think we are cruise people. <laughs> we, we met so many people that are like like serial cruisers. Serial cruisers. I've been on eighteen cruises in a row and <laughs> no, uh, but we might, we loved it. We did. We had the best time and it was so relaxing and we didn't have internet access for several <laughs> days in a row and I was, I was so happy. Uh, were you? Yeah. I thought that you were, I was like, oh I was boy. afraid at first I might develop uh, a twitch, but oh boy. <laughs> turns She's... out I liked it. No, you did good. Yeah. I was wondering, uh, you know, how you're going to do without that. But we just went uh, to a golf tournament this weekend and, uh, on the way back, we stopped to see some good buddies uh, <laughs> and did. his, yeah, and his girlfriend in yeah. um, Frederick uh -huh. and had dinner with them. And I think we kind of invited them to be cruise people with us. <laughs> we have already, we haven't even booked the second cruise, but we've already yeah. started engaging other couples to cruise with us. Yeah. I don't know what that says. I, I think that's more indicative of like your general <laughs> love of bringing the party with you wherever you go. This first day. So the second day that we took a shore excursion mm -hmm. was the Choc Chocchoban. Maybe that was the first day. It was the first. That was the first shore excursion. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, first first day on land. Yeah, the Mayan ruins. Yeah. And that was fascinating. I have always been fascinated with the Mayan ruins. Mm -hmm. The Mayan civilization and the Incan civilization were always, I would always confuse the two mm -hmm. of them. Uh, but the Mayan civilization is much older than the Incan civilization. Mm -hmm. The Incan civilization is also uh, from Peru and somewhere near the, you know, right before the Renaissance. Mm -hmm. So 13, 1400s and, and beyond. But the Mayan civilization goes back to 2000 BC um, in terms of the archaeological record. And then the very first Mayan cities started showing up around 750 BC. Mm. Mayan cities, archaeology, politics, civilization, mm -hmm. written history. Mm -hmm. They were known for their art, architecture, mathematics, their calendar, their writing system. It was all during pre-Columbian uh, American history. And uh, today it kind of comprises southeastern Mexico, all of Guatemala and Belize, and the western portions of Honduras. Mm -hmm. They speak a, a derivative of, of Mayan. Mm -hmm. And our tour guide spoke some Mayan. Our tour guide spoke some Mayan. Mm -hmm. 
um, English and like this derivative of Mayan. Mm -hmm. I forget his name. I have it written down in my journal. Mm -hmm. Saw a bunch of the the uh, temples, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the Costa Mayan, uh, Costa Maya ruins. They date back to you know 750 BC. These ruins did, but those languages kind of pulled those people together. And I was just thinking, you know, as it relates to today's topic mm -hmm. uh, and language like Spanish, we, I, I used to think that I was a pretty good Spanish speaker mm -hmm. um, and a little bit of Italian, a little bit of this and that. We've talked about Spanish quite a bit, but uh, American idioms are especially difficult for non-native speakers to understand. That's right. Well, my, you know, I have a friend, Philip, who grew up in Yugoslavia yeah. at the time, Serbia. Eastern Europe. Yeah. And uh, he speaks very, very good English. Uh, I've, I've known him for probably 15, 20 years at this point. And I, so much that his accent is almost non-existent. And I forget that he's a non, you know, native English speaker until I'll say some phrase and he'll say, what does that mean? <laughs> Even now, and I find myself like having to ex explain these idioms. And so, um, you know, this one's for you, Philip. But uh... yeah. sorry, Philip, not laughing at you, but with you. And yeah, we are taking all the blame. Well, and we, the, I mean, the fact is, we don't know what some of these idioms, like, we don't, we don't know where they came from. That's why we started this podcast. That's why we started the podcast. It's difficult, like Spanish, French, Italian, all the archetypical um i think i said romantic. that word wrong romantic languages mm -hmm. that, that derive from latin mm -hmm. you got latin then you got spanish french and italian that all kind of sprinkle out from that but yeah our our idioms are very nuanced yes. and i can you know in doing this podcast i can see how it's it's very difficult if you're not um so in the second on our second excursion we mm -hmm. did stop in Belize, and we had the best snorkeling experience of our life. And I will cut to the chase here so I can get to, to, to the meat, uh -huh, no pun intended, of today's uh, podcast. But um, we were snorkeling off the greatest barrier reef in the world, in Belize. And uh, Kelly and I dropped over. The, the guide had, had said, hey, we're about to drop over into a deep area. You know, it's going to kind of goes from like 10, 15, 20 mm -hmm. feet over to a thousand feet deep the and the abyss. <laughs> yeah. I think of uh 20,000 leagues under the sea, yeah. which is the, one of my favorite stories as a kid. And it was so dark and out of the darkness. Yeah. What did we see? Oh my gosh. The biggest ray <laughs> I have ever seen in my life. The guide said it was a spotted Eagle Ray. I, it was a spotted Eagle Ray. I felt like it could have eaten us if it wanted to. For sure. I felt the smallest I've ever felt in my life. It was, uh, I don't know, like, 50, I feel like it keeps getting bigger with every telling. <laughs> you are, <laughs> it's you, a have, real you are now a fisherman. <laughs> a fisherman's wife. Or yeah. a fisherman. Yeah, either one. <laughs> um, it was, like, I, I don't know, 10 feet wide? I, I, it was It was huge. huge. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying not to think about how big it was but i mean this thing was massive it massive. was it was scary and of course at that moment your eyes were as big as quarters and i said kelly oh, i didn't say anything because we were underwater <laughs> but i didn't know you did a really good job at not 
um, letting on that you were afraid. Yeah, I just told you later, but my breathing, <laughs> my breathing was like so fast, and I thought I can't. I'm gonna hyperventilate. I gotta get this under control. So I slowed well, my breathing down, and I was fine. But <laughs> it, it felt at that moment. I was a little afraid too, and it felt at that moment as though we were risking life and limb. Ah, yes. I don't know if I we are mixing metaphor, but um, that kind of segues into today's topic. <laughs> yeah. And our topic today is it costs an arm and a leg or an arm and a leg. Have yeah. You, obviously, you have heard of For that sure. before. I have, uh, but I have no idea <laughs> where it comes from at all. So I'm super interested to hear. This was a fun one. I, uh, I thought I knew pretty well kind of what it was and i was i just learned a whole lot things i didn't know anything about so yeah it costs an arm and a leg or i'd give an arm and a leg it's a popular and often quoted but misquoted misconception um, about an arm and a leg it derives from the practice of portrait painting is where it's misquoted often and the misconception is uh, where there where there were a lot of head and shoulder portraits, mm -hmm. and they were said to be cheaper uh -huh. than full figure portraits with huh. arms and legs. But this it seems is only a myth. Uh, the idiom appears to be American in origin, and if, and, and it first appears in 1949 um, in print and in our and in, in regular society and in the regular like dialect not dialect but like regular everyday. Mm -hmm. verbiage but where why would you why would why do you think that it would start appearing in 1949 as a very prevalent usage oh world war ii was it a was it a war metaphor it was and we're going to circle back to that uh but for sure it really really was uh, during the early to mid 1800s in american rural life there was an expression that something could quote unquote cost a leg or cost or take a leg and the arm part was added in the late 1940s after world war ii the best that we can tell there is a belief that the phrase may have been connected with the many u.s veterans that were returning from world war ii as huh. amputees um, the expression to cost an arm and a leg is a metaphor about precious body parts that mm -hmm. seems to be um well researched and well like kind of, kind of agreed upon and, uh, but the line, I would give my right arm seems to date from the early to mid 1600s. So around Shakespeare's wow. time. So those aren't necessarily related. It seems like that I would give my right arm was Shakespearean or Elizabethan in okay. um, origin and that an arm and a leg or cost an arm and a leg really came into the, um, the kind of the vernacular somewhere after World War II. Huh. but that it was always around in terms of it costs an arm. Okay. Because um, body parts are precious. Of course. Uh, my favorite expression personally was from a 2001 short film contest called The Accountant. Have, do you remember? <laughs> did, you, did you watch this short film with me starring Ray McKinnon? Yeah, I watched it with you. If, listen, listeners. Okay. If you've never watched this film, this is something that everyone should watch, especially <laughs> you aspiring and budding financial wizards of Wall Street and accountants. <laughs> you need to watch the 2000 short film, The Accountant, 
Um, this guy was uh, Ray McKinnon was the coach from the blind side. Of course, he was also Vernon T. Waldrip in Old Brother Where Art Thou. What? What? I know he was. <laughs> Uh, he was uh, he was Vernon T. Waldrop. I think his horses start to turn. <laughs> That's of course mine and Uncle Fred's favorite movie of all time. Uh, it, it, I love that. Movie that was so that much. was another big part that he played was Vernon Waldrop. Uh, so, but anyway, it was a wonderful uh, metaphor. I'm not going to spoil the line, but if you want to see one of the most historic uses of the phrase, yeah. A leg, an arm and a leg. You've yeah. you've got to watch that. It's like an eighteen minute short film. I mean, just... it is twenty years old at this point, over twenty years old. But if you don't want to spoil it, I don't know what your point is. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, there's just a line that we quote in it all the time, <laughs> and they got. I'll sure. say the line. Do the line because that line. doesn't spoil the plot. It just says, "I can't farm without my legs." <laughs> I can't farm without my legs. I yeah. think that is the best line of, in, in all of comedy history right there. I can't farm without my legs. That's, that, a, that's high praise. That's but high. It is fun. <laughs> I would not grant it that crown. But uh, yeah. All right. All right. Well, that's fair. The, the phrase an arm and a leg. This has a West Virginia tie-in as we wrap up here. But the phrase an, an arm and a leg rattled off the tongue easily. Uh, before it was used to signify an exorbitant price. Uh, after the American Civil War, uh, Congress, this is really, this is fascinating. I remember this, I took a, um, I was a history minor in college and Dr. Wolf talked about this. And in my research, I was like, oh my gosh, I remember him talking about this. But after the American Civil War, Congress enacted a special pension for soldiers who had lost both an arm and a leg. It was the first time in American history that there was a pension system, but everyone, all the men were embarrassed to even sign up for it oh my because it was a matter of pride yeah. um, to not take handouts from the government. Huh. And so, um, but the phrase an arm and a leg, cost an arm and a leg begins to crop up in newspapers in 1901, referring to accidents and war injuries in 1941, 49, post-World War II, it really starts to show up in a figurative sense. Um, and, and really a little bit of a tie-in from the American Civil War and my business and my and my years of working um, in healthcare. Prior to the Civil War, there was this dude. So there were few choices in pro prosthetic limbs okay. for soldiers that needed them. And then, of course, uh, necessity is the mother of invention. Of mm -hmm. course, the patents that were available to uh, available to uh, were uncomfortable and not easily functional for prosthetics. As early as 1861, amputees began developing their own improved prosthetics, allowing for greater mobility and allowing them to re-enter civilian society. One of the first soldiers to undergo an amputation during the Civil War was Private James Hanger of Churchville, Virginia. He lost his leg during the Battle of Philippi uh -huh. on June 3rd, 1861. Of course, this was just what, 18, this is 18, 17 days before West Virginia declared a statehood. Oh my goodness. 17 days. But he lost his leg during the Battle of Philippi, June 3rd, 1861, just north of Buchanan, West Virginia, in Barber County, West Virginia. Over the course of the war, he began distributing his new hanger limb uh, to other soldiers that, that were in need after the war. 
ended and he began his own business, the J.E. Hanger Company. And today, uh, 150 years later, it is the J.E. Hanger Company. Still? It's still in existence It is one today? of the, I know this company very well. It's one of the leading prosthetic companies in the world. Hanger was a young engineering student at Washington and Lee University. And uh, Hanger... Uh, when I was at Omnicell, we had a huge um, collaborative investment with J, the, the J.E. Hanger Company. Now it's just called Hanger. Yeah. Hanger Prosthetics, where, um, you know, there's a, a anyway. Uh, but, yeah, I worked with a lot of the folks at Hanger back in that from like 2010 to 2014. Huh. And we distributed um, a kind of automated. They're, they're so expensive. Mm hmm these prosthetic limbs are like 20, 30, $40,000 for these limbs. And so um, we it's would create like a, to the word. Uh, yes. Cost an arm or leg where yeah. we would lock up these arms and legs, yeah. these prosthetics in our automated um, inventory system. And so if you were a doctor or a nurse that was doling out or distributing an arm or a leg, you had to scan your iris Oh my goodness. Scan your fingerprint. And then in order for it to be unlocked, the right size and shape and fitting for that patient. Gotcha. So yeah, it is a very profitable company and they were wonderful folks to work with. Huh. I had no idea that the origin of that was the Battle of Philippi. It was estimated after the war that there were some 60,000 soldiers that were amputated. Gosh, that's a, a lot. It's a lot. Um, and most of them were one or more limbs. Mm -hmm. So again, necessity, mother of mention. So uh, then we started seeing it in print in, in the Long Beach Independent in 1949. Uh, Merry Christmas did not have to cost her an arm and a leg um, and so forth and so on. It continued to kind of really take sure. shape after World War II. But um, yeah, the uh, the tie-in to West Virginia is really fascinating, fun. right? Well, this is timely because, as you and I have been talking, everything now seems to cost an arm and a leg. Like, we're in the middle of an inflationary period. And I was at the grocery store today, and I totally changed my recipe because I was like, I am not paying $9 for pine nuts. I'm not doing it. That's right, so. folks. She, she made me eat ramps and turnips because she would not buy the pine nuts. And the broccoli for everybody dinner. knows if, this is not true ramp season is in march listen in early april you're really ruining my jokes <laughs> <laughs> well i it the inflation is very real and it, it really has stung um we went on a little on a little a fun trip for the wounded warriors golf tournament yeah this weekend to new jersey and i think i paid um Four dollars and sixty cents, four dollars and sixty-five cents, a gallon, four dollars yes. and forty-nine cents a gallon. Uh, this is how we know we're getting old. Is when I go to the grocery store and I'm like, "What's the world coming to?" I just cost him as an arm and a leg. This broccoli used to for be a simple little golf trip. A dollar fifty a head. She's making me eat ramps, people. <laughs> That stink too bad. I would never feed you ramps. Well, I. Mean, I you well, I, I kind of well, we did eat scallions out of the yard today. <laughs> Don't be telling on me. <laughs> she, we were cooking dinner and we'll say goodbye. 
we were cooking dinner and we were both like, hey, you want to do some, you want to do some burger? You want to do some steak? You want to do some salmon tonight? No, and then we I didn't feel like like eating out again. We've eaten out like four or five nights in a row, and yeah, we're like, we were let's eat all vegetables. So yeah, we were eating all. The goal was to eat all vegetables all day long, and like, yeah. it was dinner time, and Kelly was putting her piece together. I went, well, I had this cauliflower like, recipe I found on TikTok, <laughs> and it called for scallions and mint. And I was like, hey, can you go out in the yard and pick me? <laughs> <laughs> Pick me one of those wild onions that's up in that flower bed that we need to weed. <laughs> and, and some uh, mint. And some mint that is wild field mint, but I let it grow because I use it to cook with. It's so good. And I remember my great grandmother showing me what it looked like and how to find it when I was a kid um, in, you know, foraging. So. I love it. I absolutely love it. We are such hillbillies. I swear. Listen, we eat out of the yard. If we can't catch it in the creek and dig it up out of the woods and ramps, we just pull it out of the yard and that's what we eat. Well, that makes us sound like we are living. Oh boy. We do keep our yard tidy. Just there's this, there's a couple spots that need some attention. And then it's I, just our it's just our grocery bill has been costing an arm and a leg. <laughs> well, I this is so interesting. I had no idea. So thank you for doing all the research. It was week. so fun. Uh, thank you for being here, and uh, we thank you all for listening to us and our silly rants. And uh, we'll see y'all <laughs> next time. Sounds good.